hello and welcome to episode 167 of the 1099 for the week of September 24th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the editor-in-chief and voice of Easy Allies, the founder of one of my favorite former sites, GameTrailers.com, and someone whose voice I've heard a billion times as I watched hundreds of Game Trailers reviews over and over again. Brandon Jones. Brandon, how are you doing today? Excellent. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's, it is actually really weird because this is the slight blow smoke up your ass segment of the podcast where let's I do it. Probably, let's get it out of the way. I know this. Let's get it right out of the way. Uh, I've probably watched every game trailers like video review uh, at some point in my life. I remember being this is half blowing smoke up your ass and half me aging myself. I was at high school and I would watch just every new PS3 Xbox 360 review that came out on that site. And it's uh, it's cool to finally actually have you on the show. And one of the main questions I want to start out with is at what point did you realize you had this radio voice that works for stuff like game trailers, reviews, and now Easy Allies videos? Uh, I thought I could do it when we first started doing reviews. Actually, my boss at the time really wanted like diversity and he tried to get like a bunch of people at the company to try out. And I think it, it might have just been like interest over time that was just like, no, I will. Uh, I'll be doing this more than anybody because I'm willing to get in the booth every time and record it. Uh, but uh, I was terrible when I first started to do it, but I have a lot of theater experience and musical theater experience and vocal training. And so I was like, maybe that'll translate, but it definitely is its own style of performance I guess you could call it that's like it's with definitely unlike anything that I've ever done. I've been on stage, I've been in film and it's like it's its own weird thing. I also did theater back in high school a little bit in college and I remember when I first started doing was at least asked to do some video review stuff for GameSpot, it learned quickly it was an entirely different skill. So how many times were you just fumbling over words? How many takes were some of those early game trailers reviews? I used to, I, I whittled down three takes per paragraph to I do two now, mostly just for like audio to make sure if something weird happens with the first take. Um, but the weird thing over time is everybody, at, you know, at Game Trailers and especially now at Easy Allies, like we all just have our own commitments. We all have our own things that we're working on. And so we don't, I, I haven't gotten many critiques for like internally, <laughs> you know, like I, there was never that moment where like any of my bosses back at GT, cause like I founded game trailers, but I was just the, a creative director. I was just producing features. Cause that was the stuff I had, you know, I found the most fun and, uh, you know, working with the writers. Um, but yeah, nobody had had a sit down with me and they were like, let's go over, you know, this point from this review where you said this wrong. I was just like winging it the whole time. So, and I, I think it's one of those examples it's tough because I get I hear from people a lot that they're like, wow, it's something I really want to get into. How did you get good at it? And I'm like, I've done 5,000 of these things. I think you do <laughs> 5,000 of anything and you just you get good at it. Is it weird not getting criticism and not getting a lot of feedback now? Because people are like, oh, you're just good at it. Because as a writer, as any, especially as someone in theater, you're so used to a whole bunch of notes right afterward, right? Where yeah. uh, yeah, directors and choreographers and musical director, all sorts of people telling you like wrong. What you just did was wrong. You know? Yeah. And like, that's just what you get used to. And it, it's what makes you better. And like, I just yeah. personally, I think you're really great at what you do. But is there would, would you almost wish that someone would come at you and say like, hey, look, you maybe you can do this, this and this. Do you feel like there's still room to grow? Oh, totally. Yeah, there's always room to grow. My yeah, my wife is an actress, and she is still taking classes and uh, trying out you know, all sorts of new things. So yeah, I definitely don't want to get in a rut. And I mean, you know, YouTube is the worst critic of all, and so like, there's there's definitely some uh, you know feedback that I get from there. 
positive or negative, but um, it's fun. I, I remember one time, I actually just thought about this the other day, that was really funny. A, a editor back at Game Trailers called me into his office and he said, I want you to hear something. And he, uh, there was a take and I said something wrong or I had to pr- I had to do it the next day and I had to repronounce something. But he said, aside from the pronouncement, and he put the two clips right on top of each other and they were like, mirror perfect like it was i was like that's not a good thing though that i'm like a robot that like i just bang out the same <laughs> cadence and timing and you know every time so yeah the editors do get cheeky every now and then and like you know remind me of my bloopers and silly okay. stuff but how often are you actually reading youtube comments because like you mentioned it can be a it can be a dumpster fire and that's it, it pushes away from being constructive at that point and more just personal shots you have this really dedicated, positive community around you guys that's supporting you on Patreon. But for those people who might just randomly stumble on one of your reviews for Spider-Man or for God of War or something major like that, are you taking a lot of those comments into account? Or do you feel like if you start looking too much into it, it'll just get in your head? Uh, the the latter part. I, I don't look at it a lot. I actually, it's funny you brought up Spider-Man. I did look at Spider-Man because I was curious. I learned a lot of stuff from that because I don't review, like we have a lot of guys in our team that review games they're guaranteed to review at least one game a month. And I like, I just reviewed Spider-Man. I'm going to review Red Dead and probably just cause four. Cause I'm just a, a sucker for that franchise. But like, that's probably it for the rest of the year. And uh, some of our guys are juggling like multiple projects at once. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's something that I like to, I, I read up on Spider-Man because I was curious, just, it was such an interesting game and especially something like that, that you, like Horizon Zero Dawn, I think is the last game that I actually got to like finish Platinum done before launch day. And that's just a weird, your head's in a really weird place because you're like, am I the only person in the world playing this game right now? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you know, with an embargo lifts, like now you have all these friends, now you have all these people sharing experiences and you can like start the conversation, but it's a weird little time warp. And so it's, I was very curious to like, what, what's, what are people's perceptions going to be? There's a lot of stuff I couldn't show. And so I'm like, are people going to be upset where they're like, oh, that game doesn't seem that deep. And it's like, man, the, the levels, you know, that I can't show you that are really cool. But on a regular basis, it's brutal. Yeah, it, it, it's really tough to isolate some of those, uh, the constructive stuff and use it constructively and not just get like totally bogged down by people. Inevitably, we, we started doing countdowns again. And it's like, that's not pretty. It's there's just no way you're just going to make yourself sad going through because <laughs> no matter what, there's going to be somebody out there who's like, you're insane if you think that this is better than this. Yeah. And if you've been in games media for any stretch of time, you've developed a thick skin to a certain capacity. I I think there's different types of thick skins where if someone just throws a whole bunch of shit at you for a review, that's one thing. But if someone is judging you for how you come off on a video or how you come off on a podcast, it's a different level of understanding that. Are you at a point where do some of the negative things still stick with you way more than the positive? Because again, from everything I've seen, the community you've built is very positive. It reminds me of Giant Bomb where everyone's very close. Everyone has all these different groups where they're able to discuss things with each other, whether it be a subreddit or Facebook group or anything like that. But are there still random comments from one, five, 10 years ago that still stick with you, even though you've had all these positive ones come in? Not really. Uh, I think the my personal errors, like things I know I did wrong, but because, you know, on the internet, you're pumping out stuff so fast that something will go up and you won't realize until like, a, you know, a couple of days later, or weeks later, that like, oh, no, I made this one little tiny mistake that maybe not a lot of people knew, but man, I'm going to make sure not to do that in the future. That stuff will stick. You know, I'm, I'm definitely my own worst critic, so yeah. I, can be, I can beat myself up better than anybody else can. <laughs> Uh, and just for the longest time when I was just this big game trailers fan, I almost saw you as this omnipotent voice over an actual human, which I think a lot of people do with that was the goal. Yeah, 
that's kind of how it became. It's like, oh, you're the voice of this thing. And I didn't even know how you looked back then. And now because you are more front facing on YouTube, did it take time for you to make that transition? Or was it because of the fact that you had this theater experience that it wasn't very hard for you to suddenly kind of flip the camera around and now you are a face with a voice and not just a voice? Talking into a camera is a whole different, again, it's a completely different skill set. Uh, very weird. I had a show called Trailer Academy back at Game Trailers that I would do little like video intros. It was kind of like Siskel and Ebert, like, ah, I'm in a dark room and let's look at the camera. And uh, that's different than doing an interview on camera, which is different than being on a podcast, which is different. You know, like they're all just these weird skill sets that you can get comfortable with. Uh, that act, it's talking about regrets and talking about things I beat myself up for, that, that was a huge mistake of mine not to you know, make myself forward facing from the moment that we started game trailers. And we started that like in 2002. And I was like, Oh, we should have had a podcast, like all these things <laughs> that we could have started to do so early. You know, it wasn't until like really Oh five, I think that we started like making video reviews and that's when it really took off. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, that was a, a big transition, big regret, something I wish I'd started to do a lot earlier. And it, um, I think the stage experience gave me the confidence to do it, but like the knowledge was just the, um, making the mistakes the first time. And when we first started doing reviews, like the, our editors, people who we had brought in for their production experience, we were having write scripts and produce their own reviews for the, with their opinions for video games. And then like Shane Satterfield comes in and he's like, no, you have the editors over here. You have the writers over here. And there's a total of two different teams. And I was like, that's a better idea. That's a <laughs> think about that. Yeah, you mentioned before some of the different shows you did at Game Trailers, and that's, you know, there's, there was Bonus Round, all the way to Pop Fiction. There's just all these different types of ways to look at games. What were those pitch meetings like back then? Because I assume some of them were pretty straightforward of, hey, we're going to do a top 10 list. I'm like, okay, that's really easy to understand. But Pop Fiction was almost game theory before game theory to a certain extent about looking into these very specific stories about games. What was some of that like building those ideas? Uh, I remember the first, I think it was one of the first times I met Jeff Keighley. I remember that uh, pitch meeting for bonus round. And it was funny because I remember, uh, you know, uh, love Michael Pactor and he's on uh, Sifted now, Sifted.net. And yeah. I remember he had a show with us called Pack Attack. And like, they really wanted to focus on the attack. Like if you go back and watch... Like, I don't know how you what you would specifically have to Google, but the first episode of Pack Attack is hilarious because Pactor's like really angry. He's like, "Get ready for the attack!" And it's like, <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, uh, but I, yeah, it's the thing that was interesting. Two things that were interesting at Game Trailers was, you know, it wasn't like Netflix where if you want to pitch a show, it doesn't take that much time, you know, and effort to at least just put something together where I can get an idea of what it is. It's like we have cameras, we have a set, just you can go shoot a thing and. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff I was not directly involved in because the producer has such a direct relationship. Like Pulp, uh, Pop Fiction was Michael Damiani. Like that was him playing the games, writing the scripts. I would VO it and produce the edit before it went out. But like he just told us what the next episodes were going to be, and we were like, "Oh, cra I didn't know that. Crazy, cool, go for it." And there was it was a really hard to try to figure out like, okay, he spent like 50 hours on this thing, you know, like, <laughs> does that, is this show still viable? Does that make sense? Because it, it was so exciting, you know, seeing him do some of these things. I wish we could have done more behind the scenes documentary stuff where it's just like, you could see the fatigue of him. Like there was some Mega Man thing where he had to 
do something like 10,000 times. I mean, it was just, yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Um, and so again, like, and that's kind of the same thing in easy allies, especially that we're not like in a studio now where we don't have like an office space that we all meet at every day that everyone is really beholden to like your project. And we're, we do things on such a weekly and monthly basis that like, if a week goes by and something doesn't happen, all of the other eight of us are like, what's up, dude, you know? And so there, there's a, a good system of, um, checks and balances, but at the same time, uh, it's really up to that person. So I feel bad because there's a lot of great things that came through game trailers, a lot of great partners that we worked with, a lot of great um, other, you know, uh, hash switch of plans, probably one of my favorites. Um, cons- like Ash is just absolutely killing it now. And, uh, but it would, I had very little, if anything to do with it. We had a podcast for invisible walls for a really long time. And I was only yeah. on, I was only on like three episodes in f- the first two or three years of that show. So a lot going on, a lot of cooks. Yeah, well, it's crazy looking back at like how many different incredible people worked there and have now continued to do incredible stuff. I mean, even like Epic Battle Cry and Epic Battle Axe and everything mm-hmm. like that that you guys supported. And, uh, Elise and- Willems just they just launched uh, Arizona Circle at Funhouse. They're gonna they're basically yeah. doing their own like variety show that's hilarious and um, it's so cool. It's neat to see people. A- AJ Locasio was an editor of ours uh, and. Uh, was uh, Marty in uh, Back to the Future, the Telltale series, speaking of Telltale, unfortunately. But uh, um, uh, And I remember they came in. They're like, yeah, you know that guy that you were saying like two weeks ago was an amazing Marty McFly in the Telltale thing? They're like, he's in our booth. He's like editing for us today. I was like, what? And I went in and met him. And he's on Voltron now. He's like, uh, he was uh, played Han Solo in one of the animated things that Disney did. Oh my Um, God. I like tweeted at him. I'm like, you're Han Solo, dude? (laughs) You ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It, it's almost like looking back after a really successful run of Saturday Night Live and you see all these people yeah. doing different Rob Kirkovich is on NCIS New Orleans. Uh, Derek Mio <laughs> edited Forrest Riley. He's a successful comedian in Los Angeles. And it's, like, it's, it's wild. That's so All nuts. these actors slash editors. <laughs> <laughs> and, and being the voice of so many of these different reviews that you didn't write, but you were just VOing for different people, did a lot of people, a lot of the viewers, a lot of the fans just assume that all these opinions are your opinions? Because I remember having Adam Sessler on here and he did X play for the longest time. And a lot of times it was not his reviews. He's talking right, on right. the show and, and especially just reading something. So does that, does that happen with you? Are certain scores still sticking with you today? Oh, all the time. Yeah. No, it's like the, it's like a joke with us internally that um, uh, people always think that I review like all the games and it's pretty funny. I mean, it, it, it always just kind of reminds you that no matter what you do and try, how much you try to communicate your work to people on the internet, there's people that are just going to kind of breeze by it. Uh, one super fascinating phenomenon is we've been around for two and a half years and we try to do as much you know press as we can, but like inevitably with every review, there's a comment. People are like, hey, how'd, this, how'd they hire that game trailers guy? Like, how is he... <laughs> He just working with this team and it's like, it's a group of, you know, it's a group of guys. That's the same group. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, the internet's a funny place. You never know at what direction people are going to be accessing your content. And so it's like tough to make it, you know, spin in 360 degrees and just kind of face everybody at all times. How do you get the word out there for easy allies? Do you have certain techniques, certain ideas? Are you, is anything like paid advertising or is this the hope is more word of mouth? Uh, I try to force myself on every podcast I can find. Like, even if I'm not invited, (laughs) I just kind of like call them up and I'm like, Hey, you know, this Sunday we're going to, we're going to chat. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually really excited. We're actively uh, getting a studio space right now. We're looking at a bunch oh, of different awesome. locations. And I, I'm excited because we Easy Allies exists in my house right now. And so uh, we've had a couple people, fun people over, some fun guests over the years. But it'd be really nice to have a studio space somewhere where people will feel comfortable. And some people, you know, where it's like, I don't have to worry about, you know, 
you know, like lawnmowers going off next door or, um, you know, weird people stopping by. But uh, um, so I, I'm looking forward to doing more collaborations with other people, getting the word out that way. And um, Mega 64 is a great example. They're in uh, San Diego and I see them at events all the time, but I've never really like done something. And they're big Disneyland fans and I love Disneyland. There's just like a lot of connective uh, tissue there. And so um I would love to, yeah, collaborate more, get the word out that way. I think that's the most organic way to do it. And it's neat to see kind of camaraderie between us and like kind of funny and what's good games and no clip and people that are on Patreon and, and other groups. It's neat to see all the people that are underneath the rooster teeth umbrella. And um, so it's, it's fun to create those partnerships and, and meet like all sorts of new people and, you know, case in point on new shows. Yeah. It, well, it's fun to know that it's not competitive in that way where people do share like, Hey, let's, you can come on my show. I can go on your show. Kind of funny is huge with that. And kind of funny is doing a cool thing now where on their, like their, their morning uh, kind of funny games daily. They'll even bring in people who are super not well known and be like, Hey, I think this person's really good. Let's, let's highlight them and get them a bigger audience. It's fun watching stuff yeah. like that from the sidelines and seeing that people be like, okay, it's sure it's competitive to a certain extent, but you still want everyone to do well because everyone's doing cool shit. Uh, you did mention before that people kind of see what you're doing, like how they how they get the game trailers guy. Wait a minute, where'd this site come from, or where did this group come from? How much of what you started with Easy Allies was we're going to try to transfer the game trailers feel to this new group, and how much was it? We'll take some of the cool ideas, but we want to do our own thing. Was it very intentional to make your own unique thing after game trailers? Yeah, I think it wasn't so much as like a feel that we were trying to capture because. It's, it's so much of what we do is just us. And so it's like, we're not going to, we're not, we don't have personalities. We're not putting on characters or anything. And so um, whatever we do is going to translate over. I think the podcast was GT time is basically, you know, easy always podcast. Like Kyle does more bits on it now, but he's just always coming up with new stupid bits. I, I think the biggest thing was from a financial standpoint, what can we encourage people to invest in that they would want to see delivered from game trailers, you know, it's like, I would like to see Damiani work on another, you know, um, myth type show. I would love to see, you know, you guys do reviews again in retrospectives, or I would love, um, it was neat that Ben Moore always talked about having a podcast back at game trailers. And so, um, you know, Kyle and I always talked about having a Pokemon show that we did right away. And so there were a couple things. It was like, well, hey, we don't have bosses anymore. So <laughs> that thing we pitched to GT that didn't go over well, it's just, let's just do it. Uh, and, but uh, yeah, right away it was, um, how can we, have people be like, yes, if you were to compartmentalize game trailers, those are the things I would want for people to work on. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, there were nine of us. And so it was like, some of us were going to take more of a you know production role and some of us going to take more of a managerial role. But in the middle, you had a lot of these show producers that, uh, so like Ben's producing Frame Trap and with Damiani and Kyle the podcast. And uh, so it made sense to like have that person be, you know, it's like I, as an investor, I want to invest in that person to do content at this level. Um, but style-wise, it was actually kind of fun to 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 look at things. One one of the things that I was I never involved in was we all, uh, uh, I think like three or four times we changed our graphics at game trailers with our reviews. And every time I had like no consulting whatsoever, I was like I would watch the video and be like ah, it's a little long. And they're like, well, you know, we really like this style. And I'm like, okay. And these transitions like. You know, like eight seconds long. I don't know if we need to, you know, people are going to be watching these videos over and over again. So it's really yeah. nice in this. It's like, all right, stars, wipe, boom, you're into the video. And like, <laughs> from, from an editor standpoint, pace wise, it was nice to like do a different type of intro. Um, 
that uh, wouldn't be repetitive if you watched like 10 videos in a row. Not having a boss is super fascinating because you do have this group that's supporting you that it doesn't really matter. Well, it, of course, it matters to you how many hits the YouTube video gets or anything like that or how many people are on your site. But you're, you're already getting this. There's this baked in support, right? Where yeah. no matter what those numbers are, the money coming in is going to stay the same. But how much do you watch traffic and think about SEO and think about what's big? You can do a here's some hidden gems on N64 video series that doesn't have this topical nature that Spider-Man or God of War videos do, but you think, well, I think our audience will appreciate that. How are you balancing SEO and what is big at the moment with what you think this audience that's already bought in might want? Yeah, that's tricky because like you said, uh, it's not really going to affect our bottom line uh, substantially if like we we do one video versus another. One thing that we've talked a lot about lately is where certain videos should live on different channels depending on how much traffic we do expect because there are things we put up that we're like, this is in service of our Patreon. We know it's not going to earn, but like on an average, it actually starts to bring down the YouTube channel. And so like there's a lot of there's a lot of like resource juggling when it comes to what goes where and how stuff is like listed on the uh, on on the site and on YouTube. But uh, um, it's tricky because you know we I think reviews are one of the big things that we do that really affect how much performance something should get because we're given access to something and so it's like if we are if we can hit embargo and something doesn't work we got content flagged on the spider-man review like weird stuff happens um for nothing i mean the pr team was just like our bad and like it only went down for like six hours but it was it was those six hours you know it's like that was the yeah. time when everybody was watching all the videos and then they were done and so that probably cost us about 50k or 100k but um so in in terms of you know being a viable conduit for a developer to get their word out for their games. We want to communicate that if, if, it, if a review doesn't get a ton of views, like that's fine. As long as that developer says, I'm comfortable in working with this, this company. Like I've been buttering up rockstar ever since GTA five came out just to be like, <laughs> whatever happens with red dead, I gotta be there. You know? So I just went to this preview event last week. I was like, Oh my God, finally so many years. The GTA five came out like, like five years yeah. ago. And, uh, and so, um, it's nice to have access to those things because that is, you know, it'd be one thing if we just made like comedy videos, but we, you know, a lot of the content that we do is based on our access to the industry. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing that keeps us checking those numbers and, and noticing trends and stuff that we could do. Um, and, but at the same time, we can have a little fun. Like, we, you know, we, uh, people have gripes that uh, our spoiler content is age, is not age gated. It's a, uh, uh, behind our Patreon, it's just for you know one buck, you can gain access to like all the spoiler stuff that we do. People are like, "That's the stuff that people want to watch," and you're like, "Well, that you know, you put stuff behind that, a paywall that people want to watch. It's kind of you know, but it's tricky. It's a it's a fine line." Yeah, has it taken a while to communicate what your group, who your group is, to these different publishers, to these different developers to get that access? Because Patreon's still new enough. This idea of a crowdfunded website with kind of funny with what's good games with what you guys are doing is still a pretty new thing people are just used to all right the ign's the the game spots the polygons everything like that did it take a while you mentioned buttering up rockstar has that been a similar experience a lot of other publishers to get that access everyone has acted different it's so weird Everyone has their own weird little culture and, and, uh, refers to us and, and even internally, you know, like we have people, um, one example is we do, uh, we have a copy review copy from fighter by PlayStation. Whenever we do certain, it's in front of Spider-Man and, um, People are like, you have to do that. And we're like, yeah, you know, because we're considered by influencer influencers just by like the executive level of Sony games. Whereas like we talk to the PR people and they're like, we get it. We know who you are. We've, wor we've worked with you back at game trailers. It's the same people. And so 
it's funny to see like uh, Nintendo America, you know, we have like a great relationship with and they're very communicative and then like Nintendo Japan is like very hard to actually like, yeah. you know, uh, get a conversation going there. Um, uh, you know, and, and not because it, it's not a, a business thing. It's just a perception thing of like how they view us and how they view what we do and whether there was awareness in that transition that the same thing, you know, it's the same company, same people, same intent. Um, maybe, you know, some things have changed, but, uh, we're definitely, um, and, and I think it's, it's, you know, we are talking about, uh, possibly discussing how games journalism has changed and like the conversation around it has definitely changed in that there's so many different ways that you can have access to this world. And so like, I, it really benefits these companies to try to classify, okay, who am I talking to and what is this person doing? Like, and, and, and uh, like, we were very review focused back at game trailers. And over time we really kind of juggle, like, is this something we're going to stream as a group? Is this something that's Ian's going to cover in a weird way on his show? Is this something we just want to talk about on one of our podcasts? Uh, is this something we want to review? Is this good for like, um, a special series like we do like easy living or like weekend streams. And so, um, it, uh, I, I could see them being like, okay, what, <laughs> what are you going to use this for? Uh, and it sucks because we have like a smaller staff now. And so there's just like so many games where like the Lego series, especially I just like have been every time I meet that team, I know they look in my eyes and they're like, you're not going to review this. And it's like, I'm not, I don't have time, but you know, I want to talk about it. I want to let people know that like they're, you're still doing really cool stuff. Yeah. The classifying that stuff seems increasingly difficult where it is is it still worth sending a group of code if they're not going to review it and they're just going to talk about it on a youtube video that gets you know x thousands of views and are they going to talk about it on a spoiler cast or anything like that i have a friend jake baldino who does game ranks yeah jake's great like four like four million subscribers and they still have trouble getting any sort of review copies or codes or access or anything like that because yeah. some people just don't understand how that breaks down. And you did mention before the idea of we were going to discuss the changing nature of games media. If you look at easy allies versus game trailers, what aspect of what you're currently doing and how you cover games do you think most represents how games media and games coverage as a whole has grown and changed since boy, 2002. So about 16 years ago, it, it maybe it's hard to pin down one thing, but what about what you're doing now is a good indicator of like, this is how games coverage has changed since I first started. Uh, live, live is such a huge yeah. thing, and uh, it's it's nice because there's like a sense of transparency now. Like I think you know, you look back at uh, a lot of very like highly produced stuff. Like when I was starting game trailers, I was watching G4 like every single day. I was watching Tech TV every single day. Like, uh, and I was absorbing a lot of that stuff. I was um, the guy that I founded game trailers with was a big GameSpot fan. I was a big IGN fan, and so we would just talk about those two websites all the time. And I think there's a there's just uh, like as we as we go on we just gain access to so many different viewpoints and so many different you know walks of life whether people have a youtube channel or whether they're streaming this stuff live and so i think slowly you're kind of taking away the power from one specific voice and now it's just kind of splintered into just all these different avenues and and uh i think that's so great like i love um you know, I do not have any little ones of my own, but I have lots of friends that have kids and it's just, it's, it's interesting being over and chatting with them. And then I'll just see their kid like watching Minecraft. And I'm like, I got to know what YouTube channel that is. And then I follow, I check, look up the YouTube channel and you know, it's got 20 million, you know, subscribers. I've never heard, I've never heard of it, you know? And like yeah. Minecraft's a game I've put hundreds of hours into and have played at various stages and I've talked to the developers. So like, I have this whole perspective from an, from an insider look, you know, at the things going on at Microsoft, at Mojang and, 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 in the development like i was playing that game when the kid who was watching this video couldn't speak you know couldn't walk and like 
Um, and so it's, it's neat to not assume that there's one specific way that you can do this or one specific voice. Um, it's neat to see, like, that's the stuff that kind of, I'm more interested in. Um, we're still producing a lot of the same stuff that we did before because especially now we have people giving us money. And so they're like you directly. And so they're like, I'm giving you money to do this thing specifically, but, uh, I'm always, um, fascinated mostly by, uh, just following people doing, you know, crazy unique stuff in the gaming space and, Esports is something like I don't directly follow at all, but it just fascinates me, and uh, and so it's interesting to see gaming kind of creep into other aspects of life because people are discovering like, oh, I you know I wasn't into video games a lot, you know, ten or twenty years ago because I didn't feel I had a voice or I had a representation in this industry, and it's cool that like not only is that happening now, but it's like some of the best stuff that's out there. The number of times that same thing has happened to me where suddenly you see someone watching some sort of YouTuber, some content creator out there, and you're like, oh, that looks cool. I've never heard of this. And it has like 25 million subscribers is jarring. You're just like, how yeah. How did this happen? How did this thing build up that has more subscribers than GameSpot and IGN combined suddenly creep up? And I have no idea about it. And yeah, esports is like that. And fighting games. And like I, I'm into Overwatch. So I'll sometimes watch the Overwatch League. But then there's entire other leagues going out there that i just have no idea are happening but it's cool that there are so many different ways to get into this and now that you are you're a site but you're also a big part of what you do is this youtube channel you're mainly videos so you're kind of in this you mentioned being in a weird space between influencer between games media it's hard to exactly quantify what that is a lot of the the influencer side of that has these sponsorships with certain publishers who they'll maybe advertise for a game beforehand or we've talked i mean i've talked in this podcast about there was that fallout 4 review that at the start had like an ad for fallout 4 that some youtubers were doing have you just talked to different companies about advertising or because you're patreon and because you're more games media than influencer you shy away from that yeah that hasn't really come up i think that's like a you know strange benefit of like our size i just don't think we're big enough that we we pop up on any charts from someone who's like that would be a viable thing um i think one of the other issues that we obviously face with that too is there's nine of us and so i think a lot of times you would see Someone uh, that seems mo to me more like a solo YouTuber, or solo Twitch streamer, uh, something that they would come up on on people's radar more often because it's like there's just one person they're dealing with, one person's opinion. You know, that person's like, I'm representing this company to do this. Like, I see a lot of influencers and, and like hosts specifically that like I come to know because they're involved with that one company. Um, and so, you know, while I understand they're being paid by that company, at the same time, I I, I I'm fascinated by their perspective because I know they love that company. Like they're not just going to go wander over to Bethesda or Blizzard or something because like, oh, they're paying the most. It's like, no, I, I get that you like Hearthstone. I can tell, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and I think kind of get back to what we were just saying earlier as well. I think that's something that I think is fascinating about the industry. I think it's fascinating to see video games actually kind of take the forefront as far as a lot of like, these, you know, young kids or, um, you know, people who necessarily didn't have like a ton of, you know, production experience getting into like being on camera and, and communicating with their audience live, you know, like we do. Um, it's just neat to, it's neat that it's not so much companies anymore, uh, although it is companies that are running all this stuff, but like these kids are really looking up to other people. And we've ran into some issues with, you know, finding out things about certain, you know, streamers or, or YouTubers personalities that like not everybody jives with, but it's because they're on so much and they're exposed so much. And so it's, it's fascinating, I think, to see that evolve and to see what type of people, you know, really start to take center stage when it's just like, 
you know, lights, camera, mic, go. You know, there's no, this is like the Tonight Show where you have to wait until the night to watch it. It's like, you can just do this whenever. You can do it all the time. You can do it all day. And um, yeah, connecting with audiences is a, a very fascinating thing, something we were not doing just a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's been bumpy in a lot of ways because there are those people who rise to prominence. Then they get in a situation where you're like, oh, maybe that's not the person you want your child or your nephew or anything like that to really look up to because they have these questionable personality traits. But I do think there's so many benefits in, like you said, people being able to just capture gameplay, edit it, uh, learn how to talk in front of people, learn how to even take a little bit of criticism younger than they might have before. And a lot of people like us, we might have done theater when we were younger, and hopefully people are still doing that. But it's kind of its own form of theater to suddenly at 16 years old, go live in front of tens, the hundreds, the thousands of people and just get that sort of experience. People have been just shitting on these videos of kids doing Fortnite dances at school or anything like that. And I get it. It's really easy to make fun of, but it's also kind of cool to see if, if that's what gets people active. That's fine. It may might look lame to someone else, but it, I don't as long as people are doing something and passionate about it and they are getting these benefits, I think it's OK. And it is cool that games somehow have become this forefront for your creative outlets or even this physical outlet of dancing or or doing anything like that like it might seem silly but it's cool to watch yeah i can't you know uh thumb my nose at something that brings people together it's like great let's do do it you know <laughs> whether you're yeah. like doing tabletop stuff or you're going to a local hobby shop like after school or whether you're like actively like playing sports like getting a frisbee and throwing it around or playing basketball or something or you like have an online group of friends that like you meet with like just as long as you're socializing as long as you're like connecting with somebody um and i think that's yeah i just think a lot of what we're seeing you know personality wise and it's it's been a bumpy road and i, I kind of I kind of like it. It's not a popular thing to say, but like I, I, so many of the important lessons that I remember learning at, from my youth were mistakes. They were things like either, either huge mistakes that I made or big mistakes I saw somebody else make or, you know, like my parents or my brother and seeing the fallout of just, you know, like bad decision-making and, and not understanding, you know, the consequences of something. And so like, I just think that's just naturally going to happen, you know, especially in, in youth. And so it's, when you have moments like this happen, my first thought is always, well, at least hopefully this will be a lesson to other people. They're like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't behave like that. Or, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't say things like that. And so that's why it's it's to me, it's so fascinating that these things aren't a lot of these lessons aren't planned. Like we're just kind of stumbling through this as a society and uh, we're, we're broadcasting the whole thing like a bunch of weirdos. But, it is uh, super weird still. Like just, I feel like because it's so new, we sometimes don't even think about how weird it is that these major yeah. mistakes are happening in front of thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully it it is a lesson for a lot of different people. Yeah. Uh, we talked before about how games media has changed and you've been writing reviews and reading reviews out loud and you said you're a fan of IGN and GameSpot before. Do you think games criticism is in a better place than when you first started reviewing video games and working at game trailers? Because... We've talked about how there's so many more avenues for people to get into this. And you see sites like Waypoint or Polygon or um, a lot of others out there that are tackling how we talk about games in an entirely new way. And some people would say, do we really need that? Shouldn't we just talk about, is it fun or what does it look like? And then there's the other side of, if we're treating this stuff as art, we should be able to get into these certain themes about gender, about how different, different people are represented. And that should impact our opinions on this and the score. Do you feel like the way we've talked about games has changed a lot for the better? Or do you think it's kind of similar to when you started game trailers? 
Yeah, I think overall, like we were saying, it's it's been a bumpy road, but yeah, I love the way it is now. I'm I'm so addicted to Twitter, man. Like just because, and not necessarily having conversations on Twitter, but like you just gave an example of you know a lot of these publications, and and there are a lot of you know really cool niche publications that you have. You know these people, you know uh, Tortillo and Schreier, and, and these people that work at these news outlets that will be just retweeting or passing along stories that they see that are interesting on the web, and. I think, yeah, it, it's not going to take you long to peruse, you know, the offerings of game journalism and find something that you vehemently disagree with. And uh, <laughs> I I just love that. I don't know. Maybe that's because I've just done so many countdowns or, or like I've produced so many videos that, uh, you know, people didn't like. But um, it, to me, it's just kind of part of it. And I, I think there's so much to absorb in the industry that it's easy to get angry at like one specific outlet, but they're just like one voice. It's just one, um, you know, you're almost kind of like giving them more power by, you know, more vocally admonishing them. But I, I love it because if something, like I said, if something I disagree with or something frustrates me, uh, I can just like, like, like hot take. I didn't like the last Jedi, but I was able to move on real quick from that. You know, like yeah. I was like, I was like, huh, that movie was weird. And I came to the internet and I'm like, who else thought that movie was weird? And it's like, wait, all these people. Yeah, no. Okay. I'm fine. I just didn't like it. I'm all, never mind. you know, like I don't need to yeah. get involved in that conversation because it's like, you know, it's, it's such a stupid nitpicky thing. And I think, um, I think one of the things that I learned very early on, because uh, my mom and I got into some drag out fights when I was in high school, we have a great relationship now. And I and I, I learned at one point, I was one of the most profound epiphanies in my life that I because when you're a kid, you know, nothing's worse than when the kid knows he's right and the parents know the kid's right, but just shut up. You know, it's like, you're just, we can't, we're out, we're at the gas station right now, we're camping, you know, we're with your grandma, like we don't have time to deal with this. Yes, your principles are sound, but like, it's just not the time. <laughs> and I, so I realized like, man, you got to pick your battles. And it was like, and that's when my you know, relationship to my mom and I started to improve where I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter, you know, if I have the upper hand, it's, there's a time and a place to do something. There's a, a way to converse with somebody where you can respect them and get what you want, you know, and uh, we haven't figured that out. I don't know if it's like homeless no. people where it's just the internet's just always going to have that. Even 2000 years from now, we'll be in Star Trek and flying all over space and there'll still be trolls on the, on the web. I don't know. Like, but it's, I think it's something that we have to get through by screaming at each other a little bit. I think in, I think in, you know, a hundred years, we're going to look back kind of like the early days of television. We're like, ha how quaint, you know, at just kind of like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Remember that? Remember when we had those stupid news channels and stupid, you know, like weird yeah. stuff and we were getting in trouble for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Hopefully. that's the hope, right? Is I think what you mentioned before is really important that when you go through that as a kid and you learn how to, have those harder conversations or argue or come through that and not hate the other person, then I think your Twitter life might be easier because you can see The Last Jedi stuff. I think The Last Jedi is maybe my favorite Star Wars. So we would have... Oh, it's great. If we were worse people, we would immediately argue on the internet and be like, you're wrong. And then we never have this podcast and that's the end of it. But thankfully, you go through enough stuff where you're like, it's okay to actually have these conversations. Like I intentionally seek out opinions i disagree with oh, on games yeah. especially when i was writing a game spot because that's fun you know what's like, my favorite time to do that man game of the year i love game yeah. of the year because i love it when some publication is like you know what this game and i'm like what i gotta like, read i gotta read this about? i gotta read this article and it's not like oh you're wrong it's like i want to hear your story i want to hear the year you had you know like what you were focusing on and uh yeah when people give out awards to celebrities and, and you find out like what pockets of the world 
favor what person it's yeah it's fascinating um that yeah, that's the important part is finding out why it's not you're wrong and i'm going to listen to this intently to realize more and more why you're wrong it's wait and a lot of times i'll just be like did i miss something like is there something i'm missing it, in this game yeah genre in this corner of the year and you want to hear that my my wife and i just watched hereditary with tony collette and it uh just destroyed us like i i, I thought it was a really good horror film but it like really wrecked my wife she was very very disturbed by it and then her mom was like oh yeah your dad and i are gonna watch it and my mom's and man it's like i can't wait for this i'm gonna call them tomorrow <laughs> and uh my mother-in-law like that was okay and she like, I was like, what? Like that didn't, because she can be kind of sensitive to stuff like that. And I'm like, that movie didn't wreck you at all. And we called her the, last night when we were driving on the way uh, to uh, go see a show. And I like, couldn't wait for that conversation. You know, it's like not to rail into her, not to be like, you're wrong, but just like, I am fascinated to hear like what problems you had. Um, and so I think that's just the, you know, it's how I always hope people approach something is, is just with fascination, just with the idea that like, it's going to happen. There's going to be people that hate the thing that you love the most and, you know, appreciate that they have the freedom to do that. And that you might learn something about, uh, I, I don't know if you know, red letter media, they're a fascinating channel and they've done some, mm -hmm. like, uh, they did, uh, reviews on all of the next generation Star Trek films and the prequels. And these are like, I think the, the Phantom Menace review is an hour and 45 minutes long. And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. And you're like, that's ridiculous. It's captivating. Like I was, I was like cracking up the entire time. Cause he just, just rips through that thing. And he tore apart First Contact, the board Star Trek movie, which is one of my favorite Star Trek movies. And he was 100% right with everything he said. And so even though I still love that film and I can enjoy it, you know, when I watch it, I I giggle because I'm like, yeah, that window shouldn't be there. Yeah, that <laughs> this doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I, 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 I think um, you're doing a disservice to yourself if you don't let a lot of that stuff in because you grow and, and you learn to be more tolerant of things. And um, yeah, I think the less angry you are at stuff like silly stuff like that, the, you'll live longer, live happier, but it is a skill. And I think that's the thing that I do under, at least I understand to a certain extent why people immediately have the, the gut reaction of you're wrong. And now I'm upset that you don't like the thing I like. I grew up in a house opposite in terms of there was like no arguing and everyone was just like, Ooh. everyone there was like a, it was almost a rule of like oh we don't argue everything's fine type of thing and later in life that kicks you in the ass because when you get in the situation where there is some sort of tension or there's something you have to deal with you ignore it and you say like oh it's fine and that carried over so right thankfully i was able to grow through that you know college and and game spot life and everything like that so you have to deal with those things head on but i just from that upbringing i understand why someone would come to the conclusion of you're attacking me if you dislike the thing I like, especially with games, because if you look at people's Twitter bios, you see gamer in there all the time. You don't see moviegoer. You don't see book reader. <laughs> yeah, you don't of course. see music listener. This is a personality trait for people and something that is a defining feature enough that if you have this small window in your Twitter bio to say, here's who I am, gamer is one of the first thing that comes to mind. So if someone, if, if you grew up and you fell in love with Final Fantasy VII and it's a huge part of your life and someone's like, you know what? The game's fucking stupid. Everyone looks like a Lego person. Uh, Turn-based combat is dumb. I hate that. Hopefully, over time, you're able to take a step back and say, well, here's why I love it. I understand your point. I think you're wrong, but that's fine. Compared to, you are now attacking me directly. I'm going to bite back. So like that's the part that hopefully, like you said, we're not in space at some point and still having these issues. Hopefully not. But I think it's human nature to just really closely guard these things and feel like they're part of you. One of the things that I hope that comes across with easy allies is that yeah, like we can coexist. 
Like, yeah, we're a bunch of nine white guys, but at the same time, <laughs> like we have some brutally different gaming opinions. Uh, there's decisions we've made, like Ian Hank just absolutely hates The Last Guardian. That was our game of the year, you know, that year. And like Ian just, oh, but at the same time, Ian really likes Bloodborne. And I think the storytelling in Bloodborne is so weird. I loved that game, but like, it, you know, I'll bring up, I'll be like, yeah, but like the characters you talk in that game, like they don't move. They're just like standing there and like they don't yeah. have faces. They don't do lip sync. And they're like, nah, I don't care. I'm like, all right. Like, that's fascinating. That, that game gets a pass. The other, okay. But uh, like uh, Brad Ellis loves Kingdom Hearts. And like as a huge Disney fan, I, oh, there's a lot of things I find frustrating about that series. <laughs> and you, we, you know, like uh, Kyle Bossman hates a, a link to the past. Like there's just these really weird, uh, I think Damiani came around, but for a long time he really hated uh, Toriyama's art style, and so he like was not into Dragon Quest. Wow. Not, yeah, and uh, so it's fu- it's fun to like have our audience know those. Have we, you know, like we know that we know it, they know it, and they're just watching us try to like navigate around and be like, okay, let's not, you know, get into that again. Picking our battles, it's just like if something comes up you know, just barely, it's like, am I going to make the next 10 minutes about this? Or am I just going to realize like, yeah, okay, we just, we disagree. And it's not only that, like, all right, I got to be the better man here. It's, it's, it's hilarious. You know, it's, it, it's fun that you have to realize that, like, it's going to happen anyway. And um, it, for me, I just have a better time. You know, I don't try to, I'm not like trying to take the high road here. I just, it's more fun to, you know, uh, make light of those things um, than to, to let them bring you down. And his genuine passion. You talked about Game of the Year before. I think Giant Bomb is one of the best examples of here's 20 some hours of podcast. We're going to argue about the best games of the year and it's going to come to blows. Like it's going to be a here's a two hour discussion about the best new character. And it comes down to like, hey, these are the best games. People have such strong opinions and nitpicky stuff that you end up yelling. If you're listening in the car, you're yelling at your, <laughs> yeah. your speakers. You're like, What are you talking about? How is this a good character? How is this game good? That I think that is something people enjoy especially again or afterward you can like okay let's go grab lunch like you're not really angry it's just something right. that you feel like if you're going to voice you should voice uh talking before about what sort of content you do with easy allies a lot of it carried over from game trailers a lot of its new ideas are you still experimenting with a lot of the formula and a lot of the videos you're doing because we mentioned you do have this certain level of freedom where you don't have a boss and you're able to kind of do the stuff that your audience wants and the stuff that you care about but are you experimenting and how much are you asking your audience for what they might want versus talking to each other and saying, look, it's important to listen to the audience, but sometimes you can't just always do exactly what you want. You got to do what they might not even know they want. Yeah. Um, there definitely are things our audience is screaming about. They're just like, no, it's not gonna happen. But, um, and I think a lot of that comes from, like morale is a big thing for me and maybe that'll make me like a bad manager, but you know, like you can't make, keep everybody happy, but like morale to me is so deeply connected to what we're doing. Like if we're not in a good mood, like we're not going to put on a good group stream. We're not going to make an entertaining podcast. Like we need to enjoy our time together and actually look forward to discussing this because we're talking about, you know, what it's like to be passionate about games. And if we're not passionate, you know, it, it doesn't come across. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's, we don't have their perspective on how they're absorbing our information. So things I listen to a lot are like have more audio versions of your stuff because that I'm listening to the stuff in the car. I, I kind of tend to like absorb your stuff via podcast, have shorter stuff because you guys do so many long form hour long things that like, it'd be nice to have shorter stuff. Obviously 
like narrative scripted short content. It's like very expensive, very time consuming. But, um, but there's some time where, uh, I do a weekly show where I take, um, uh, advice from everybody and, and I live stream it. And so I'm like answering questions and, and it's hilarious because a lot of times people will write in, they're like, okay, so I have this idea for you to do this. It won't take very long. And it's like, how dare you? <laughs> like you have <laughs> no idea, you know, how long something's going to take or whatever, you know? And so you like, uh, you have to like suggest something like that with a grain of salt. Um, and understand that, I mean, that's like the thing about Patreon is like, as long as we put something down in black and white, that like, here, if you're giving us money, this is what you're getting. And then when some people are like, you really should do this extra thing. And it's like, we really shouldn't because we didn't say we weren't going to, you know, we were going to, but at the same time, it behooves us to surprise people. It behooves us to, to, to grow and branch out. And you talk about like experimenting and, and this like easy allies has just been one big two and a half year experiment. Like us getting a studio, that's going to be a, a humongous experiment. Like none of us, we've all occupied studio space before, but we've never been directly responsible for paying for it, you know, um, yeah. you know, paying for the internet, pay, you know, really designing the set from top to bottom, building everything, maintaining it. And, uh, and so that's been really crazy ever since I was in, you know, standing two feet from where I'm sitting right now. And I like, was like, so who wants in on this when we had our first meeting before Easy Allies was formed and everyone raised their hand. I was like, oh, get out. Really? Okay. <laughs> I thought I'd get half, but everyone was like, let's do it. And and, and it's been really interesting when one ally, uh, you know, uh, Don Casanova is producing this series called Busted Trifecta. We have no idea what the hell is going to happen in this thing. Ian Hank is doing a very cool project that uh, I have to like rehearse and like, you know, get ready for that's kind of similar to some of the stuff he did back at uh, GT when he was doing Mandatory Update. And Kyle Bossman's producing box peak which is his own animated series that he's drawing and animating the entire thing himself and and it's it's fun to see one person be like i have an idea and like almost immediately all the other eight people are like do it great and even if that means that my paychecks can be a little smaller next month i want you to have the money to go do that and uh and so yeah that's fun and um I have yet to have one of those ideas creatively because it's so terrifying to think <laughs> like uh it's so crazy um to um yeah to to try to wedge something into the production pipeline that we have already but um yeah why not it's it's such a great opportunity uh to we did like gundam streams where we just built gundams we haven't done one in a long time we would just like build gundams for four hours live and our community like loved it then we had a lot of people show up on twitch for that and so not something we would have ever done back at gt and so yeah there's like really really a a gift that we have to um really start doing some weird stuff and um, it'd be neat to take a lot of the time-consuming stuff production-wise out of the way when we get a studio so that we have more freedom to, to start getting weird. Here's in a circle again. To bring it up again is so weird. I love the Funhouse. Like, they're such a bizarre group. And, uh... Yeah, and thankfully you do have a lot of different models you can kind of look at and maybe not copy, but at least emulate to a certain extent. Like the Giant Bomb, the Funhouse, the, the kind of funny out there where you can, oh, you can do a lot steel. of stuff. With... Oh, Steel. Yeah. Outright Steel. Yeah, just thanks. Yoink. <laughs> I'll say it to their face. Why not? Like, let's just steal this shit and do this because it works for them. Let's make it oh, work for yeah. us. And, and that's another thing, actually, that's changed a lot. Uh, and, I mean, it's changed a lot in gaming, too. Not that there's not, obviously, like Sony fanboys and Xbox fanboys and Nintendo fanboys. But, like, when we started game trailers, IGN and GameStop was the enemy. Like, capital E. We called them the enemy. Like, we were like, we're going to take GameSpot and IGN down. Like, I, I, wow. I really didn't – I didn't subscribe to that too much because I was so focused on the content. But, like, a lot of our managers, a lot of the people that, like, funded us throughout the years were like, we're going to take them down. And you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> And because it's business, you know, and like, and that's business is still business. Like if you're a lawyer, like that's, you know, you live and breathe that every day. But I think in games journalism, like when 
I started making more friends and then those friends would move on to another company or like, uh, um, you know, like Greg, uh, Greg Cassavin is now, you know, making Bastion and all those other crazy games and Transistor and like people move on, um, you know, uh, uh, Mitch Dyer is now writing for Star Wars Battlefront. Like, and you see people occupying so many different spaces, like where they work just doesn't matter anymore. And it's, it's neat to kind of catch up with people and, and think of an outlet more for the people that work there and not for the outlet itself. Um, and I, that might've had a lot to do with me trying to want it to be behind the scenes and just like, Oh, I don't want to get put myself into this because what we should focus on is like the game itself. And that just like yeah. wall came crumbling down. Uh, and it's been really fun to, uh, to, to make it about people and have the most fascinating, you know, storylines in gaming be people focused. Seeing the emphasis placed more on the individual people rather than the site as a whole has been super encouraging. I think the Twitter is a huge part of that where you get to yeah. see these people be more front facing and YouTube in general, seeing more people's faces like we talked about earlier is super helpful in that. And because a lot of what you do now is personality based and it's about who you guys all are, you, you talk about this production pipeline and all the different stuff you're doing and how morale is important to everything you do. Have you all and maybe even just you personally experienced burnout because people have been talking about it with youtube where you need to be posting every single day you guys have certain okay we're doing this show this day this day this show that day it's depending on certain game releases if it's busier during this period which it is you have a lot of stuff to do have there been moments of i need to take a step back this week or do you feel compelled to no matter what you need to launch this stuff oh burnout all the time yeah burnout's brutal uh and because i, th I think a lot when people become their own boss they don't know you don't have that other person um it's it's interesting i i uh i don't know if you've read world war z uh they made the yeah. horrible brad pitt film but the book is fascinating and and uh there's one of my favorite chapters was about uh, this line of soldiers that was just day in day out shooting this this wall of, of zombies that were coming at them and uh, it was making this big pile and the zombies were just climbing up over the pile and they would have uh, a whole front line of guys that would all be firing and then behind them would be a second row of just soldiers, uh, you know, men and women, and um, uh, they would be ready to fill in, you know, so like they would be behind maybe two soldiers and just like the second one of these guys gets tapped, I'm going to go in and replace him and then keep firing like immediately. And uh, it's very Starship Troopers. But what fascinated me were the people that were uh, just watching these soldiers. They were just walking down the line and looking at them. And they would go up and they would just tap a guy on the shoulder. And some of the soldiers were, were telling the story that they're like, I didn't even, I felt fine. Like when someone tapped me yeah. on the shoulder, I didn't feel like it was time to bow out. But they could tell. Like they could look at me right away. And I, um, yeah, I didn't know. It was fascinating when I found out what like anxiety really was and when I like started to identify like anxiety attacks and I was like, yeah, I remember having those in my 20s. What what was going on there? And like when I got in my 30s, <laughs> wow. I started to have it a lot more and I started to have really bad like stomach problems and I like, you know, uh, started practicing meditation and went to therapy and like did a lot of these things. I went to like doctors first because I was like my stomach screwed up and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. We have no idea. And then I finally found out like, oh, it's, it's my brain, you know, and it's just me not slowing down. And so I think that's something that, um, you know, inevitably there's so many things, music, television, editing, you know, uh, um, production schedules that have just sped up again at technology. It's like everything's getting faster, faster. And I think as, as human beings, like it's almost kind of like an X-Men skill at this point to like slow down <laughs> and just like yeah. breathe for five minutes or just like allow yourself to not do something. Sometimes the guys will freak out because they're like, I might not have an episode this week. And it's like, it's fine. <laughs> it just just let it go and and that's one instance of getting back to what we we're talking about with expectations from patrons and like do you listen to them and and a lot of times people are like hey what happened to that thing or this thing's taking too long and like you just can't 
if you know it's you're being good to yourself, it's like you just kind of got to let those comments slide because it's like it's it's hard to communicate. And I understand if it's not immediately apparent, but I got to stop. I got to take a break. Um, yeah. The, the stomach thing is super relatable because I also did go to the doctor for the exact same reason. I was like, oh, they're going to need to do something with my gallbladder. Like there's totally. something super wrong. And actually there was this certain test where they do inject you with something and essentially messes with your gallbladder for a bit. And you have to like lay down for an hour to see like, is there anything wrong? And at the end they were like, nothing wrong. And then drove farther away to get a second opinion. It's nothing wrong. And it's the exact same realization you had of, oh, this is my brain telling the rest of my body something is wrong that something is not great and being able to take that step back when you're in I have a journalism degree. I mean, you've been in media forever. A lot of this stuff is deadlines. A lot of this is, hey, if I get the Spider-Man review two, up two hours after the embargo, I'm going to lose out on this massive number of hits or yeah. we're going to not just get the reaction we want and, and everything like that. So you could totally see that being just draining, but you need someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, it's it's going to be fine. We're doing okay. If we don't do this one thing, it's totally fine. We don't need to stream a reaction to everything. It's all right if you take a step back. Yeah. Uh, last major thing I did mention before that you have this positive community, and that is a hard thing to do. If you look at any message board, any comment for anything, there's some really great positive stuff, and then there's just awful, terrible things. Have you done anything purposely and made any specific efforts to foster that community? Was there something in mind from the start to be like, all right, here's how we're going to grow this community and make sure that is not a tire fire or did that happen more naturally? Totally happened naturally. And I don't want to like pat ourselves on the back and just be like, we're just really great people. But <laughs> yeah, we, we we started to live stream on Becky Game Trailers and we developed a really a strong Twitch community and they started to connect with people that we had on the website and all of this just kind of happened, started to happen organically. I've definitely looked up to companies like Screw Attack who have G, like their G1s or like you were saying, Giant Bomb, who like really has a lot of really uh, great uh, members of their community in different districts that uh, all get along and um, and so it was interesting. And Kyle uh, started a segment on the show called Love and Respect that was just like the, what he called the Q&A. And when he first told me that, I was like, all right, you know, just like I think of most of the things when Kyle does it, it's like, yeah, we'll see how that plays. And I just didn't think about it. And our community just completely latched onto it. And so it was nice yeah. having that be a mantra going in. And it's like, yeah, how do you argue with that? That makes sense. Like at least people can can understand that. And it's something quick that you can say a little like Mahalo and just, just a reminder that like, it's still going to be tough. It's still going to be an uphill battle to like, for all of us to agree on things, but we can at least like start there. And, but it, uh, so much of it is, uh, I hope like, you know, somebody, people from our community are like listening to this. So much of it is just, just them. We just have really, really good people. It blew my mind when we first started, uh, the, um, Patreon and we had some producers who were giving us $500 a month. And I was like, cool, what are you selling? And they're like, nothing. They're like, I'm just, you know, I just like you guys and I, I want to support you. It's like, wow. that's, that's insane. And yeah, so I always, uh, you know, want to put their contributions really before anything, because that's a uh, tremendous that uh, people can give us so much. You talk about like making, making people happy and doing stuff and uh, that uh, people want to see and, and taking their advice to heart. And there's some people that just like, uh, have just been supporting us and I've never gotten one email from them where they were just like, I didn't like this thing you said in the podcast or, you know, I didn't, uh, I disapprove of this one thing. And uh, so, yeah, extremely grateful for that and how people have managed to 
be patient and and we've stumbled across the way. There's definitely like three or four things that I like deeply regret, but it's great to just dumb decisions that we made. A lot of just communication, just like we something happened and I'm I'm comfortable with the decision that we made, but we just communicated it really poorly and and yeah. it's it's really I've been grateful to people to be like, okay, that's where you screwed up. And um, you know, I always have my DMs open, always have my email address out there and and so it's nice to get people, you know, emails from people and um or just like, I, I care and I just want to let you know, like this was perceived this way by this part section of the community, or I think you might've been off here. And um, it's fun. Cause yeah, I definitely want, don't want to have the impression that like, we all know what we're doing. Like we're just, we're, we're winging this just like the community is. And so it's, it's fun to make it a, a process. I like that uh, our, the name of our company is plural because it just kind of denotes like, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bringing more people in and they're as much of a part of it as uh, we are. And especially right now with how divisive things are and how not great things are in a lot of moments, it's nice to have like that group of people who are just actively trying to be positive and spreading some sort of goodwill rather than being shitty to each other. Yeah. It sounds super simple, but right now it feels like it means even more. Um, last, last thing. Uh, what are some things you guys are working on right now that you can talk about and where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find us at Easy Allies everywhere. Uh, the best place to go obviously is um, uh, Patreon, but uh, we have a website, easyallies.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we stream a lot on Twitch. We make videos on YouTube. We have a, a channel called Easy Allies Plays as well if you want to see our streams. Uh, that's where all of those go. Um, we have uh, the one of the biggest things uh, that you should look out for is called Box Peak. It's, again, it's produced by Kyle Bossman. That's going to be premiering uh, before the end of uh, 2018. And uh, very much looking forward to that. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of any other... Yeah, we stream uh, every Tuesday night. We do a group stream, 6 p.m. Pacific time uh, on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Easy Allies. Uh, this uh, upcoming Tuesday, we have another episode of a thing we do called the Hall of Greats, where we all bring a game that we think should be inducted, and then we all vote, blind vote, and then uh, tally up the votes after, and then two people, two games get inducted. And it means, you know, depending on who brings what, some pretty wacky games have like managed to squeeze in there. And uh, But it's a great example of what we were talking about. Man, when those gloves come off, when we're like, we get five minutes. We get five minutes to pitch the game, and then people get to like yell at that person for five minutes. And it's a, it's a, it's an interesting test of um, yeah. you know how sympathetic we can be to each other's uh, hopes and dreams. I have yet to have a game that I have brought be put into the Hall of Grades. So tune in Tuesday night, see if I can pull it off. We'll see. <laughs> Can't wait, uh, Brandon. Well, thanks so much for doing this. It's a blast. I, I mean, you were just, we just hung out and talked about me the whole time, man. This is great. I want to, uh, you know, that's that's why that's why the podcast works. That's why people want to come on because like I get to talk about my shit. Well, I mean, but just being honest, like when I started getting into games and media, I had certain people I looked at for writing, certain people looked at for podcasting, and you've always been my in my mind the gold standard for video reviews and how to have the correct cadence with with certain things and. Every time, again, at that moment, you were this omnipotent robot person where I'm like, there's no way he's doing this. There's actually a human doing it this well every single time. And it's good to know that you are a human and you've been doing it well for so long. I love what you guys do with Easy Allies. I can't wait for what it looks like once you get a studio and wish you all the best in the future with Patreon and everything else. Thanks so much, man. All right. Perfect. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.